and i thought that you know how long will i keep on dragging this because three words has been running in my mind in uh, since college and if i don't do this i'll always regret it first challenge was you know people wondering would you be able to do it a couple of people i remember my own relatives told me listen you are in india and it's not easy you are a woman so get some you know men in the team and that sort of hits you with a little bit of low self confidence oh my god you know i've done so much in life now back i'll have to start everything from scratch uh but then what helped is i would say the ecosystem of other women entrepreneurs definitely helps i think driti's uh, program was one of the first ones i attended and when i saw 30 other women entrepreneurs with me in a room women coming from villages women coming from big cities all sorts of women doing different kinds of startups it boosted my confidence hello everyone ashok here thank you for tuning in to this 18th episode of indian startup stories a podcast thriving to bring out experiences and insights from entrepreneurs across india today our guest is ritika barua founder of freebirds a platform for community of explorers and experiential learners In this episode Ritika shares her background leadership experiences across the globe her passion to do more for the community her unique way of turning the idea into a product starting alone and its challenges she also talks about the growing women entrepreneurship communities like Driti her and now and multiple success stories in and around northeast india and much more valuable information for us to take away so without further ado let's jump in Hi Ritika thank you for coming on Indian Startup Stories today welcome Thank you so much Ashok for uh, inviting me here it's a pleasure My pleasure too yeah please share about your background studies and your early career day experiences Sure so if i go back to my childhood i was born and brought up in Assam and then like every typical indian i did my engineering from an nit and then my mba mm-hmm. from an iim Uh, as an exchange student i also studied in sweden and i studied at harvard business school as well on leading product innovation and uh, my work journey so far has spanned across multiple continents i would say i was in india for a couple of years i worked with unilever and then with tata and while working with these big companies i realized that i will be working in a silo and it will take me a long time to learn everything about the business so that's when In 2014 I started looking for opportunities where I would be able to learn more about business in general because uh I always had an idea that I want to be an entrepreneur someday in the future. So that's when I went uh to Africa in Nigeria uh in 2014 mm-hmm. and uh, that's when Ebola had started there. and a okay. friend of mine was working there and he spoke about the work culture in this company called Tolaram and he said that it's a very entrepreneurial company it gives you interesting roles in the beginning of your career and it lets you experiment because it was a smaller company there uh, versus the companies i was working with and i would get more opportunities so that took me to africa and uh, when i started working there i started as an area sales manager I worked with uh, you know different uh, delivery vehicles delivering to uh, multiple outlets. I think I was handling mm-hmm. 60 vehicles in the beginning of my career. But very quickly I realized that my analytical skills could be used in sales and I could bump up sales very quickly. 
So that's when I realized that, and I had done only marketing roles in India when I was here. So okay. it was an interesting transition for me. Uh, so after that, coincidentally, at that time, this company called Ala Foods, which is world's fourth largest uh, dairy company, had an investment in the company I was working in. And that's when I started working with Ala as category manager for the country. And uh, in the first year of launch, I decided that we'll do business of at least $80 million. And we did hit the targets that uh, year. And uh, that's when Kellogg's uh, had an investment in Africa with Tolaram, and they had a 51% uh, share of the company. So then Kellogg's asked for me, and they said that we want this lady to be the general manager of Kellogg's Tolaram South Africa. And that's when I moved to South Africa, and I worked there as general manager. I launched a very interesting product. So Kellogg's wanted to move out of the breakfast category and innovate. Mm -hmm. So they told me that they want to launch noodles and it would be called Kellogg's noodles and it would be launched uh, in competition to Maggie. And I had to innovate to figure out how can we create noodles with Kellogg's brand and how can it differentiate. So it became an interesting journey. And once I did that successfully and the product became the second biggest brand in South Africa within two years. So that's when I gained a little bit of confidence that Yes, I, perhaps I have now understood multiple aspects of the business and I can, uh, you know, start my own. So that's when in 2019, I, uh, you know, left my job. I came back to India and decided to start Freebirds. And last year during COVID is when we actually launched and this is the whole okay. journey. Yeah. Okay. Nice background. Cool. Please share about the company that you founded here and its product and what problem you are addressing to solve. Right. So Freebirds essentially, as the name suggests, is a community of free thinkers, a community of explorers. You know, uh, as humans, we what we desire in the end is a little bit more freedom, a little bit more knowledge. And knowledge is what makes you free. So that's why I thought that why not create a platform for experiential learning? So I see that there are multiple tech platforms today which are about mm, knowledge. So if you want to learn something for competitive exams or you want to learn a particular skill, there are you know multiple platforms like Baiju's, Unacademy. Uh, there are platforms like Coursera. So you can actually go and learn there. But if you want to experience something yourself, for example, mm -hmm. Uh, you want, uh, for example, if you want to go to a place and volunteer and learn about how social ventures work, there is no platform for that. If you are a person interested in weaving and these are things that you need to learn hands on, there's no platform for that. So that's when I decided that this is a space, this is an opportunity and I want to, you know, launch there. So that's when I launched Freebirds, where, you know, people can have their profiles, they can write stories, they can share about their experiences with others, uh, they can host interesting learning experiences, as well as they can attend learning experiences. So this is this was the idea, and this is what we do as a company. It's still work in progress. There's a lot to develop on the platform. Uh, but yeah, that is essentially the idea. And if I tell you a little bit about uh, how it solves someone pro someone's problems. It was actually clearly uh, a problem for me because I, when I 
uh, it was clearly an opportunity i knew that because when i started when i was in africa or when i was in even mumbai uh, during weekends when i have free time i used to want to learn new things i consider myself a lifelong learner and if you see the united nations sustainable development goals it talks about lifelong learning as an important goal for the world for quality of education to happen for people to have a certain sense of a uh, certain sense of responsibility and love towards the world people need to be experiential learners now what is experiential learning for example today if i want to learn about anything i can just google i can read books i can find content about it but things that you actually have insights on they can only come with hands on learning for example you can read all about coding but you cannot learn coding without actually doing it you can mm, you know yeah. uh, think all about you can go to a place like say you can go to uh, a place like assam or a place like karnataka and know nothing about the culture because you've just visited the beautiful places there and come back without immersing into the culture without learning how to cook mm. the local food or these were the kind of experiences i used to look for and i used to you know google and google and never find a platform where i could actually connect with other people work with them and learn something new and that's when i got mm. the idea that okay if i have a platform where you know i can have a profile people like say ashok can have a profile and i can get to know them i can get to learn from them directly uh, then it can open up a world of possibilities so that's when i thought that a platform for experiential learning is the way i want to go nice it is uh, it is also helping the local communities just not limited to the brands and the existing businesses around that's good to know yes yeah so actually uh, what, i mean i'm sorry i'm you know you're going to the next question i'm cutting you off but i'll say the no dynamic problem. that happens in this case is so interesting i mean uh, during covid only uh, this happened so i'll tell you one more thing uh, before covid we thought all experiential learning has to be offline because when it's an mm-hmm. experience it has to be through all your senses you're interacting you're doing things uh, you are experiencing it so they have to be offline we never thought it would be online everybody wanted recorded yeah. sessions and they were watching things through youtube and we were thinking that we want to do things where people are actually present and interacting mm. with each other uh, so but covid happened and we decided let's pivot quickly so before the world had moved on to online you know webinars and this and that we had launched online experiences by ourselves okay. in february 2020 and when we launched okay, exact, uh, exactly before that yeah exactly the right then and we had launched our online experiences and when we were doing that uh, we realized and we did this that all our sessions would be live and interactive because it's experiential learning none of the sessions would be for 100 200 people all sessions would be for 10 15 people maximum they'll be personalized okay and they will be you know live so when that's where people are interacting so interestingly some schools approached us that you know can we do this as well so that also gave us a new avenue now how it helped okay. local communities now children from a place in shillong in meghalaya these are children from villages who have you know now internet connection thanks to jio they are you know using their phone or using whatever uh, devices they have and they joined this module and uh, the government paid for the project and we got uh, artists from mumbai and from gujarat 
who are teaching them now look at how it opens up knowledge for the local community an artist yeah, from yeah. mumbai is teaching someone from shillong and this is happening live these connections are going to be lifelong and this is what this platform enables so so yeah so this is something that i found very interesting during the journey and it makes me grateful to see how it helps people on both sides true that's wonderful to know how did it all start rithika the idea of free birds when was the spark moment what triggered uh so that's an interesting story actually i'm glad you asked um free birds started in uh the journey of free birds actually started in 2012 13 when i was in college in mba okay. and uh, there was this friend of mine radul sharma and uh, we studied in the same college and we had this facebook group and we called it free birds and we had gotten okay. some people along and we there was this, this small community within college and we used to there debate and discuss about education system you know like what are the flaws of the education system why is rote learning so popular in developing countries especially asian countries uh, why is you know achievement so much more important than learning or growth how can we bring in a change where you know people can have both they learn how to be good at something and at the same time be able to explore different dimensions of themselves uh, personally professionally everything and do it with a certain sense of joy for example we always saw kids bunking classes because everybody thought that you know learning is something boring learning is something oh my god i don't want to do it uh, but why can't learning be joyful why can't learning be interesting so we used to debate a lot and then i remember i had put one fine day and i was you know full of energy and i wrote there that there's no point talking about all this if we really want to do something come uh, and join me and let's do something so then two people turned up okay. out of the group oh, of nice. you know hundreds and uh, three of us decided let's create some modules uh, and go to schools and see how it goes and we created some experiential learning modules around confidence building around being able to speak your mind uh, around being able to tell children about the opportunities that are there in the world so we did that and we went to schools and because perhaps we were i am students we were given an entry and we were told okay these are the days take sessions and once we took mm-hmm. the sessions we realized that we were not there to teach them there was a lot of learning that was happening internally we were learning okay. about leadership or about how service helps us in a different way so it was actually beneficial for us as well and i felt that every college student should be able to do that to be interact to be able to interact in the real world and learn something from there and at the same mm-hmm. time the school students wrote us letters that this was the best day of their lives and they oh, really nice. liked uh, the sessions we did in school and they look forward to going to school because of us and that okay. completely shifted our perspectives and i thought that there is something to this idea and we need to do it at that time the platform was not in the mind it was just the vision and the mission that was clear but i had a loan uh, i had to pay an education loan i was i had never worked uh, so i did not know how and work environment is i had done internships but i had never you mm-hmm. know handled a business alone so then freebirds took a back seat and we all went our separate ways a friend one of the friends joined google another joined 
an education startup and I went to Africa and things went okay. along. And then I, but in my mind, I could not let free words go. In my mind, I felt that that is my life's work. That is somewhere that's where I felt purpose within that this mm -hmm. is the purpose. This is what I want to do in life, you know. So I kept it there. And then once I could, I paid off my loans and I was financially at a place where I could afford to be an entrepreneur. And I had done things, you know, I had some dreams to do for my family, like doing things for my parents and, you know, making sure my sister has a good education. So all these things, once I finished all my responsibilities and uh, I reached a place in my career where I had the recognition uh, where people believed in me. I believed in myself more than people believing in me. I had the confidence okay. that, you know, yes, I can do things on my own. That's when I came mm -hmm. back to India. I reached out to the two friends I had and with whom I had started long back. Uh, they unfortunately, you know, married and they're like not no entrepreneurship now. So I decided to start alone. So that's when I, okay. you know, that's how Freebirth started. And I, I just launched it. I went and did pilots. I went from Assam to Bihar to Delhi to Mumbai to Bangalore to Coimbatore and I did different pilots and I realized, yeah, there's merit to this idea. Now I needed a tech team. And that's when I met Reep Jyoti and Omkar, uh, who were working in Zeta Labs at that point of time. And they decided to join Freebirds full time and uh, be a part of the tech team to make sure that uh, what needs to happen for the platform, they can do that. Okay, there's a strong reason and the history uh, starting from your college days. That's good to know. Moving on into the transition phase. Uh, in your career, you were managing sales. You were into leadership roles like a general manager, advisory board member, uh, pretty good tracks so quick. Uh, when did you start planning to start something of your own? And uh, how did you manage your transition from employee to entrepreneur? Can you talk about the challenges you have been through and how did you manage to pull it through? Sure. So... Interestingly, you know, I think the bent of mind that I am or the kind of person that I am, even in the companies, I got very entrepreneurial roles. For example, when I was in Tata Steel, I was asked to launch this product called Farming Cages. It was a product for farmers, uh, for tomato farmers, basically, uh, because tomato is a creeper crop. So the, they had uh, innovated and built these kind of steel cages, which farmers could use. Uh, which would give mm -hmm. them a better ROI in the long term. And it was it would reduce labor costs and keep the farm and the plant healthier and give 33% more output. So, and it was a completely new product. You know, steel, when I entered Tata Steel, I thought I would be working with rebars or, you know, steel sheets, the popular ones. Everybody got that. Or they got marketing of, you know, a brand that was already existing. Now, I was handed over this product and they said, find out a way to sell and market it both, you know, okay, from branding to uh, selling. And that's when I figured out, oh, there are agriculture MBAs also. I did not even know it at oh. that time. I met farmers okay. from different states and I launched a completely, uh, you know, sustainable new business channel there. And that product and that project, uh, my boss actually presented to Ratan Tata. It was also presented to the Andhra Pradesh Assembly. And I loved it, mm -hmm. you know, I had done something completely new. Once I went from here to Tolaram, I told you initially I was given the role of an employee, uh, the role of uh, area sales manager, but somehow I felt I could do more. 
So I actually went up to my boss's boss and I said that, you know, I want more work. And the person <laughs> looked at me and, uh, you know, laughed and said that nobody comes to me asking for more work. I said, it's just because I can't sit still. And I in Africa, I don't know many people. So I don't have, you know, other things to do. So give mm -hmm. me something more so that I can learn more. And I have this urge to learn more. So there also... I did that and because it was successful, Ala hired me to launch uh, their uh, launch their products in uh, Nigeria. So I had launched it from scratch, from, you know, figuring out the supply chain, figuring out the brand, figuring out the whole value chain, pricing, mm -hmm. to uh, selling everything I had to do. Now, when I went to South Africa, again, it was like I told, it was Kellogg's Noodles, a product I had never thought of. And I thought... How can Kellogg's be noodles, right? It, it should <laughs> be complex. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, but I could believe it and I could, you know, uh, find a way to market it that even the consumers believed it. And it was the first one in the world Kellogg's had launched. Kellogg's had not launched okay. anywhere noodles. So South Africa was the first one. Now they have gone to Egypt and now they'll go to mm -hmm. other countries. So I was the first one to launch there. So I'd somehow been in a different side of an employee. I was always in an entrepreneurial setup, even in companies. So the transition for me was not that difficult in terms of how to work or how to bring an idea into execution. But the challenges were rather in a company, what happens is the financial part is taken care of. When you go to the board saying, I need to do $80 million with uh, Ala, Give me $8 million mm -hmm. marketing budget. You get it. They sign it off and you yeah. execute it. Now, that doesn't happen in the startup. That is the challenge. You, <laughs> learn, you need to learn to bootstrap. You need to learn mm -hmm. to be able to do things in a very different way with the mindset that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if the flow of money is going to be the same. So how do you keep on making the startup sustainable was the challenge. And when I realized those hacks and I realized how to deal with that pressure and work with that, that was an interesting journey, I would say. Okay, yeah. Quite a lot of insights from the previous experience and also in, into a startup thing. Nice. I'm sure you might have had many initial days challenges uh, in your startup Freebirds. Uh, can you talk about any specific instances or the difficult circumstances you have been through and uh, who helped you in that journey and how did you manage to come up? Sure. I think uh, for most of us and especially women, the initial uh, challenge that you face is from your own uh, you know, friends and family. Because the first thing your parents ask, at least me, that's what they asked is, why are you doing this? I mean, you were at a very good job. Your career was going amazingly. Even my friends were saying you were at the peak of your career. Because I think, I don't know that for a fact, but I think at uh, that age, at the age of 28, 29, being a general manager is quite fast, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah, quick, being, so quick. Yeah, and in South Africa, even my colleagues were very young uh, Sorry, my colleagues at, uh, who were working in my designation were not, uh, you know, of my age. They were much older than me. Now, other colleagues who were younger, they were working mm -hmm. in different kind of roles. So, and even, you know, my company people said, you know, think about it, come back. And, uh, you know, you are at a peak of your career. Go a little bit more further and then probably do it. 
and mm-hmm. i thought that you know how long will i keep on dragging this because freebirds has been running in my mind in uh, since college and if i don't do this i'll always regret it so i have to do it the time is now so yeah the first challenge was you know people wondering would you be able to do it a couple of people i remember my own relatives told me listen you are in india and it's not easy you are a woman <laughs> the starting up is not easy to so get some you know men in the team and that sort of hits you with a little bit of low self confidence oh my god you know i've done so much in life now back i'll have to start everything from scratch uh but mm-hmm. then what helped is i would say the ecosystem of other women entrepreneurs definitely helps i think dhriti's uh, program was one of the first ones i attended and when i saw 30 other women entrepreneurs with me in a room women coming from villages women coming from big cities all sorts of women doing different kinds of startups it boosted my confidence that no ritika you can do this you've got this you know just have the patience and i think i would also mention mr tv shrinivasan uh, my coach uh, mm-hmm. he has helped me a lot he makes me see things from a different perspective uh, he tells me you know about patience about uh, you know that in business or in a startup the most important things is pa- thing is patience and perseverance mm-hmm. uh things might go very fast very soon or it might not but you need to keep on doing it for the next 5 years so that helped me a lot i think uh, my partner uh, my life partner my husband he is we recently got married in december and but we have been in a relationship even before so he was always very encouraging he had started up long back uh, he went back to a job but he said that failure has taught him more than nothing than anything else so he mm-hmm. keeps me going so all these people i would say and even uh, finding reep and omkar uh, the people who joined me in the journey i think that was a big boost because sometimes there are times when you are troubled uh, they are there to pick you up and when they are troubled i am there to pick them up so all these interesting people that i came kept you know kept me going so these uh, these are the things that helped me and these were the challenges i faced and i would say more than anything i think for any entrepreneur what makes keeps them going is the uh, happiness in the faces of their clients when the customer becomes happy when your hosts become happy when your partners say that okay this is something i would like to do i remember i have done a project uh, in january uh, called unheard unseen with some collaborators and uh, the lady i worked with there kabya says that uh this is something i can do for my whole life i love this project and that nice. you know makes you happy that yes this this has made it and even if it changes the life of one person or makes them a little bit happier i think i would have i would consider that success yeah nice yeah community plays a big role right and uh, your journey and experience has been featured in multiple events and uh, the main platform being the women entrepreneur community as you mentioned driti and also her and now i guess the collaborative in- initiatives by multiple entrepreneurship specifically for women uh, can you share your experience which are close to your heart regarding the support that you receive and are available for women When I first reached out to Driti, I was surprised that whenever you think of a startup ecosystem, uh, the cities around the startup ecosystem, you always get four or five major cities in India. 
but it's it's very encouraging and also good to know that in northeast we have such community and uh, there is quite a lot of entrepreneurship community booming there can you talk about a little bit on haran now and driti yeah so uh, so yes yeah, so i think the last uh, when i was speaking about driti i said that one of the things that even just like you that surprised me was oh my god there are so many women entrepreneurs from assam doing amazing things from uh you know weaving to upcycling to uh, organic products uh to tourism multiple things people were doing so that boosted my confidence in terms of the ecosystem for women entrepreneurs i would say that uh whatever has been done so far is good but we have a long long way to go mm-hmm. uh we don't have we, there is a lot of uh you know discussion about women entrepreneurs so there are multiple networks today i myself am a part of four five networks okay. of women entrepreneurs today uh but i would say one of the things that we lack is information on schemes and grants like a lot of us we struggle with the knowledge of you know what's available for us out there that we can actually use in the business because in the end uh a lot of mentorship is what we got and what is useful i would say that that is one part that is that a lot of networks are doing brilliantly even priti is doing well uh but i would say in terms of the financial support i hope that organizations come up uh, that help women entrepreneurs and not just women entrepreneurs entrepreneurs in general i would say that that is one part where we need help and knowledge rather more than help uh, we did not know where to go or we did not know what are the opportunities we can avail perhaps there are opportunities out there but that information uh, doesn't come to us so i would say that there we have a long way to mm-hmm. go uh, i'll but i'll tell you uh, one interesting thing and i think that i love about women that way that no matter what challenge you throw to them they figure out a way to solve it i was doing this women entrepreneurs boot camp uh, with another organization uh, they also work with the women entrepreneurs so and i did a boot camp across northeast in the smaller cities so for example driti's camp was in guwahati so i thought that okay let me see if it's there in tejpur also so i went to tejpur which is a smaller city i went to a village called zero in arunachal okay. pradesh i went to uh, you know all these places and interestingly there was a tech startup in zero by a woman who's a oh, lawyer nice. so and she already had people on the platform using the platform and it was interesting there were women entrepreneurs uh, doing weaving projects and trying to bring the traditions of the land to the outside audience and uh, that sort of amazed me i never when i went to zero trust me ashok i thought that maybe two people will turn up we just put up a poster on facebook we did not even you know market it say anything we said we were just coming to zero if there are any women entrepreneurs there let's meet up and around 10 15 people turned up in zero a village that most people have never heard of and a tech startup joined us there and that's what uh, you know that's what's amazing i, I would say uh, women's perseverance is commendable i think all sorts of entrepreneurs who come from different tier cities it's commendable a lot of social ventures are coming up it's commendable as well and i hope that you know programs like haran now dhriti they are useful to women entrepreneur communities and they can keep on going to smaller towns and cities and helping as many people as that's they can. nice yeah zero is a town in uh, arunachal pradesh right it's interesting to know 
can you talk about the founding team and the challenges you faced as an individual while starting the team and what are the challenges you had to go through before kick starting your own business so in terms of the founding team like i said uh, there is this uh, i started alone right because yeah. when i came i asked my friends and they said that oh that would be tough entrepreneurship would be tough we now have families and you know uh, we are in our journeys so but we are there we are there for you we are there to help you so that's when i think this uh, tagore ka poem comes to my mind where jodi to dakshine kyon na ache ekla cholo re so if there is nobody with you walk alone mm-hmm. you know so that's what rabindranath tagore said and i thought of that poem for some reason and i thought doesn't matter i'll start it but uh, I am a big believer of the universe and you know that the universe supports you. Yes. Uh, so when I started I did not expect that somebody would join me. I decided I'll do it. I have been an engineer. I have uh, you know published papers before. I have coded before. So if no, I don't find anybody I'll learn coding from scratch. <laughs> I'll join a course. I'll build the platform then I'll go marketing and you okay. know figuring out how Full to swing, yeah. community. So I had I, it doesn't matter to me if somebody joins me fine if somebody doesn't i'll do it on my own mm-hmm. so when i reached guwahati i met my friend abhishek and abhishek was one of the first people uh, who was a part of the journey so i said this is what i'm thinking of so the first thing before creating a platform for others you have to walk the ground you have to see if that you can do that so we went to schools we did certain workshops uh, we some travelers wanted to travel to assam so we did a trip for them we organized a learning experience trip okay. for them so we tried out everything that i thought the platform could offer volunteering experience workshops and uh, travel journeys which are learning travel journeys not just leisure travel mm-hmm. journeys so these are the three mm-hmm. things three basic products that the platform offers learning travel uh, workshops and activities which are hands on short courses and the third one is volunteering so we tried these ourselves and it worked uh, so that's when uh, you know i worked with him then he again joined the job uh, avanti is what he joined at that time as a teacher because when he started working with me he fell in love uh, with the idea of you know working with organizations that help you teach so he wanted to teach himself he joined there then coincidentally i think i met ripjyoti for a coffee i knew him in school Uh, and for multiple years we had not spoken uh, we met in between in mumbai and he had come back from i think france he had come back to india and he was thinking what to do and i was you know in the beginning of the journey of freebirds so there was this particular cafe i remember it was one day i sat with him and i was just talking to him and he said i have this friend omkar i'm bringing him and they both joined me and uh, uh yeah and then we i opened my laptop i said that you know he said what are you guys doing and oh, sorry he asked what are you doing and i said that this is the idea of freebird so i showed him a concept presentation that i had mm-hmm. made for myself i had not mm-hmm. shown it to anybody i just made a concept presentation that this is the vision this is the mission this is how we are going to do it okay they saw it and mm-hmm. from that day they were in so i would say that for me i didn't face much conflicts we were not both three of us we just want to live a good life a happy life do something for the country for the society for the world 
you know, leave your little footprint in the world. And so we never had those typical co-founder, you know, issues, I think. They came in and then since then, we are just working together. No questions asked, nothing. We formed the company in September 2020. Okay. Till then, we have been working without even paperwork and but working full time. Okay. Nice. So, yeah, nice. that has been my turn. That's good. So, when was your first moment of relief? You started very recently and even now your company is very young. So, what was the first moment of relief you had? Was it a customer success story or was it something uh, your product has been used by these many people? What was the moment that you felt? So, I think before talking about first moment of relief, I would talk about the first moment of uh, joy. Yeah. So, I was in Himachal. um that was during the time when the team had not joined me mm-hmm. i i had not founded them and i was working alone and doing pilots so i had gone to this art festival um in gunehar it's a village where uh, they have started this amazing art festival where artists from india come for a residency program and uh, children they of the village they learn from these artists and the uh, output of it is a festival where the children do a play they showcase a movie that they make uh, they do you know wall paintings in different mm-hmm. places it's a very good learning experience i thought let me go there so i met this uh, person named km lo and he was a chinese mm-hmm. guy he came to india so he travels to india he loves india so he travels to india every okay. year and he's a movie maker there he's a filmmaker in china so uh, he makes hong kong cinema all those martial arts movies mm-hmm. and he has developed a way called tuk tuk cinema what is tuk tuk cinema in tuk tuk cinema he converts an auto rickshaw into a movie theater at, a, at the cheapest cost possible and he makes science fiction or interesting uh, movies action movies and sh- uh, shows it in the auto rickshaw and he makes it at a very low okay. budget so i so said it's it's it's, it's getting featured movie. only in the auto rickshaws is it it's it's not for the featured film no it's not okay. for the feature the auto rickshaws or laptops or youtube you oh, can nice. watch it very low budget but lovely movies i'll probably share with you the links also okay. later if you want to watch him so and i told him about the concept of free birds this is what i'm thinking so i want that when travel you are a traveler you're coming to india you have this skill why don't you teach it in different places let's put it up on our platform mm-hmm. and he said yes and uh, he completely resonated with the idea and i that was my first moment of joy oh my god these kind of people exist you know the thing that i want to do experiential learning that you know other people learning unique things from other people these people exist so that happened then after that the team had joined me then the first moment of relief happened after that is uh, that time the team uh, we wanted time uh, that uh, we decided i had always decided that it would be a flexi time flexi location culture for free birds mm-hmm. you know just like the name anybody in the team should be able to work from anywhere and at any time no concept of you know 9 to 5 uh, because i feel that if someone has ownership and passion they'll do it anyways yeah. and if they don't have even if you make them sit for 9 to 5 they'll not do it <laughs> so i would rather give people the freedom and have them do it joyfully but in the beginning i always believe that you need to meet and you need to prime by priming i mean that the team needs to find the way that rhythm so we decided we'll live together in bangalore okay. so both the 
what the people, both my co-founders, they came to Bangalore to my place and we lived together in one house. So we were, you know, cooking together, eating together, working together. Mm -hmm. So it brought us close and it brought us in an understanding of how our routines are, uh, you know, how do we live? What do we like? How do we discuss? How do we think? So during that time, I met this person called Saurav Arya. Mm -hmm. He lives in Bangalore. He's a digital nomad. And he has these hostels uh, called Workstays and Small World in Bangalore. Uh, so when I spoke to him, I met him through a common friend and I told him about Freebirds he was in. And uh, then the Chinese filmmaker was coming to Bangalore coincidentally. Okay. So I said, let's organize a workshop in Saurav's place with KMLO and use Freebirds as the platform. And we did that. People came. The movie making workshop happened and went beautifully. The people learned uh, in Bangalore, they enjoyed it. KM Lo enjoyed it. We are still in touch. So that was my first moment of relief that creating a community, bringing be different people together to make experiential learning happen, using a platform to do that. And, uh, you know, actually benefiting the people who came there to learn. So that was my first moment of relief. And I realized my MVP is done. The web app was up. The, you know, platform was up. The first experience was done. Tickets were booked uh, and, you know, collaboration happened between the community and it was fruitful. So I think that was my first moment. That's nice. Time. So when was it? Is it before COVID or uh, during? Before COVID, much before COVID. It was actually January. It was January 2nd or 3rd in 2020. Oh, okay, nice. So how spread is your customer base? Is it within India or uh, is it a global product? How people are using so overall, we would like it to be a global product because when you see, like I said, there are two, three pillars, right, uh, for Freebirds in terms of products. So number one pillar, which is travel, I see that although it is picking up in India, learning travel, it is a lot in the West. A lot of international tourists who come to India, they come to actually interact with the community. Uh, there are people, there are travelers who come to, uh, you know, stay in five-star hotels and uh, you know, see the good places and go. But I see a lot of travelers who come to India seeking themselves. They want personal growth. They want to interact with the local community. I know personally that there are students from Howard who come to India to learn about their subjects, about developing economy, uh, economies. Even in South Africa, when I was there, I was asked to give a talk to London School of Economics students because they wanted to learn about South Africa. So there's a lot of interest okay. of school and college in courses where they want people, sorry, they want people to travel to India and learn about it. So that's why my market, I would say, is global. Uh, but overall, right now, we have only grown through word of mouth and organic, and I've kept it that way because we are bootstrapped. Mm -hmm. So we haven't reached out to a whole lot of audience. But uh, we have. But interestingly, I, I would say ninety percent on the platform, eighty-five, ninety percent is Indian crowd. But somehow 10% is crowd from other countries. I don't know how they are coming or how they have heard. Like recently, we uh, got an inquiry and it happened also. The workshop happened for Madhubani painting from US. Okay. You know, some customers from US said that we want to learn Madhubani folk art of India. And we connect, you know, the platform connected them to someone. I got a request from this lady called Martina from Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and she said, I want to join Freebirds and I want to work with you. 
and I don't know how she heard from Czech Republic about free birds and I never put a single, you know, I never put marketing there or approach there. But then she joined us, and now she is a part of free birds. So, so yeah, overall, I see it globally. Okay. But my current focus is at least the beneficiaries will be the Indian market. You know, the hosts currently would be Indians. uh so it is the indian market that would benefit from the platform and perhaps uh, yeah hopefully over time we can grow globally. nice yeah you you managed to pull it through bootstrapping as you mentioned for the funding part how did you able to do that i mean is it only with friends and family support or you had to get external uh, helping hand to bootstrap with your own so i till now it has been friends and family support or my own money rather um the thing about bootstrapping and the thing about funding is one thing i've learned about funding funding is good for due to scale but getting it too early is also not good for a startup from what yeah, i have realized you get too much of commitment yeah yeah so you need to get it at the right time so for me when i started the entrepreneurship journey i'm very clear that i want to figure out the unique economics first <laughs> you know i don't want to run after a crazy millions of millions of users and crazy amount of funding and valuation that's a race i'm not in and i don't want to get in so i would say that in fact last year some investors approached okay. us and they were willing to fund us and i said no because i felt that if i go there then i would be running after numbers and i don't want to run after numbers mm-hmm. because this is something that is my passion project and like i said i would rather have 10 people actually benefit from it then millions of user users and evaluation doesn't matter to me so that's why i did not i would rather looking for strategic partners and what do i mean by strategic partners and this year i will definitely go for funding mm-hmm. and i will be applying to multiple uh, multiple places for grants or for strategic partnerships okay. by strategic partnerships i uh, i mean i'm looking for investors who are not looking to make a quick buck but rather they are in this game like they are with freebirds for the next 5 years at least and they help us in some way more than the money in terms of network or in terms of advice or in terms of growing uh, the freebirds community in terms of uh, and then uh, i'm looking for investors who are into impact investing mm-hmm. who want to invest for impact so once i come across those kind of investors i came across a few in i was also selected for young social entrepreneurs in singapore so oh, came across nice. a few there mm-hmm. touch with them it was a brilliant brilliant program i mean i would recommend other entrepreneurs to go for it do apply for young social entrepreneurs i didn't win it so i didn't get the monetary uh, support that i was expecting from the program that will win and you know we'll get a grant i did not but i'll try again and that's a failure that taught me a lot as well but till now i'm bootstrapped so like i said i'm trying to find out the unit economics and currently i want i don't want to be burning cash to market to grow the audience it should rather be an overall profitable model because only that way it can be sustainable otherwise it wouldn't be a sustainable model so that's how i like i'm currently bootstrap like i told you i was a little bit more prudent than a lot of my entrepreneur friends they have jumped directly <laughs> after college i did okay. not you know i was you know i paid off my loans i did the things and i had certain amount of savings that this is the amount i'll use for my startup okay so that's why i could do it bootstrapped but again it depends from person yeah, to yeah, person yeah yeah true and 
and yeah but one thing i i would say for all entrepreneurs is that getting the right funding the right partners and at the right time is more important okay so no point hurrying there nice. so at least i would nice nice that process yeah so uh, can you talk about the technology behind your product how quick you were able to build it and how are you managing currently the tech support for any your systems right so like i told you uh, in my case i did not outsource the technology because i wanted it to be proprietary freebirds technology so that we could actually uh, work on a platform that is useful mm-hmm. and yet we wanted an mvp quickly like one of the things that all for all entrepreneurs i would say it's important is get your hands dirty and get things out quick you know experiment mm-hmm. if you don't experiment i think there's uh, Uh, yeah i think it's been said enough in books also that you know experimentation matters is one book that i recommend people to read as well so uh, so yeah experiment with it so we took out the mvp pretty quickly we started coding in uh, i think october november okay. is when we started by january the first mvp was out okay three, three four uh, months so yeah. yeah three four months and so in terms of the tech ecosystem today i would say that anybody who wants to launch a technology startup it's much easier than long back first of all a lot of open source uh, codes are available and there's these communities in github and other places from where you get a lot of support in learning so all of the products have been built by the team in house mm-hmm. and most of the tools that have been created are proprietary tools using open source technologies so for example we have a hosting tool or an experience creator tool for example tomorrow say ashok decides uh my podcast is very successful i have done a lot of them and now i want to teach others how to start their own podcast so if you want to launch a course like that you can actually go to freebirds you can create it from scratch use it as a thinking tool once you do that using image processing and ai uh we have different tools for example you will be recommended what price you can put what days you should be hosting it uh you have an image processing software that brings out an automated poster so you don't need to sit on canva and again think of you know drawing and creating a poster the platform generates it for you the platform is linked to social media so you can start marketing it directly uh, then again we use uh, for uh, yeah and then again there's a booking engine there's a crm tool for you to know your users there is a proper admin tool for you to schedule your things to upload your stories so so yeah all these things are our proprietary tools apart from that we also use uh, you know other tools for example payment gateway is something you'll always need we found razor pay very useful yeah. so that's something we use uh, we use aws and other uh, apis that are useful uh, for different things so yeah so overall the tech has been done completely by ourselves and a lot of friends have also helped friends who are in different domains we always call them ask them wherever we have doubts in designing the ux and figuring out things and in terms of the ux i always take user feedback so that helps us a lot in terms of designing um, designing things. okay yeah. nice now um how were the days before you started revenue generation and how did you manage till you started realizing that okay we started getting the revenue and now we are comfortable to run the business there is always a gap and uh, you need to manage it differently before the revenue starts coming in and after the revenue starts coming in right so can you talk about that experiences and how are you managing 
um i think these things are always dependent on your mindset you know how you see the business so uh, one of the things uh, um my earlier mentors used to say a leader is someone who can just see a little bit further than everybody else mm-hmm. so if you're an entrepreneur you will need to be able to see a little bit further for example if you're not earning revenue today what would it look like when revenue comes up once you start earning revenue what would you what would it look like when scale comes up mm-hmm. for example right now i'm figuring out that what would happen if the scale suddenly goes up how will i handle the operations how will everything fit into picture how to streamline and consolidate the processes so because revenue started coming in i'm thinking about that now before revenue generation i would say that i had taken a gestation period of one year in my mind mm-hmm. it will take one year to do bring revenues if you are in the product business you can earn revenue from day one mm-hmm. because products still it's still much easier product is in uh, physical products right if you launch a physical product but if you launch a platform if you launch a concept like freebirds which is a little bit vague a little bit abstract you know it takes time for people to adopt it so you initially need those early adopters who would adopt it and then later the masses will adopt it and you'll have to be okay about it a lot of people will not even you know be a part of it because they wouldn't understand mm. what it has to offer so i was ready for that so in terms of me i had prepared my mindset for it i came to india in uh, april 2019 uh, i got i started my work on freebirds in may and our first revenue we generated in january okay 2020 oh that's quick yeah. so it was almost yeah so for me when i had taken that time of one year it was actually earlier so i was fine with it Uh, but i already had prepared myself that my product is not a for example it's not an interesting cup of chai or, or it's not that okay there is tea you are making green tea so just go and sell so th- that's it's not a concept <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that right so it would take some time for it to gain traction till then we have to do a lot of free workshops we have to go generate awareness we have to not just generate awareness but also see what the user wants and not just force your idea onto the mm-hmm. user so so i took that time and once revenue started coming in uh, i started looking after how would the bottom line look like when you start marketing okay you know if this is the revenue again revenue is good but once you start scaling up or uh, how what is the bottom line for that revenue or what is the bottom line for those users you need to know those that's nice can you share some of your customer success stories which are uh, close to your heart uh, which is a pride moment for you for being part of their journey yeah sure ashok so like i said there are multiple such stories that always warm my heart and uh, make me feel very good about what this platform has the potential to do i would say that we have a long long way to go we have a lot to do in terms of making it better for our customers but i'll share you a couple of stories with you and i think uh, this is more prevalent across uh, the country as well so one of the customers who came to freebirds and they took a session uh, they attended a cultural immersion that was hosted on the platform they really liked it and they recommended it to one lady and told her that you know join freebirds and work there so mm-hmm. now i 
spoke to the lady to you know understand what she wanted to do on free birds and what kind of hosting she wanted to do so interestingly she started telling me her life story and it was very emotional for her and she said you know i got educated i was working in dubai and then i got married now i am in this place in haryana where i am just a wife i don't have an identity anymore i'm not allowed to work so my family doesn't let me go out and work but i want to do something with my time and i want to have an identity beyond a wife beyond a daughter in law so i uh, so i said okay what skills do you have what do you do and she said i make these beautiful handmade cards and you know people value my skill so much that somebody gave me a flight ticket to come to mumbai to teach them how to make those wow. things so nice. i said that you have an amazing skill and you are still doing it every day so okay let's start a session on free birds for it uh, and mm-hmm. this is just one of the stories i'm telling you there are multiple such stories there is another lady who is an artist and she's unschooling her child uh, so she took her school child out of school and she's unschooling the child because she believes that she can give a better education to the child if she's full time there with the child but then she can't do a 9 to 5 she wants to work at her hours which means that you know she can do a class for and she's a she has won national level awards uh, from the government of india in terms of uh, different oh, kinds cool. of art forms from dance to uh, you know art a uh, lot of things she does so mm-hmm. now she has the skill but she can't be in a traditional setup of a job because her life is a, is different so she said freebirds is the perfect platform for me you know i can host a class at 6 o'clock in the evening after people come back from home or i can host it both online and offline because freebirds gives you both options and mm-hmm. it is a continuous journey for a person so she can maintain her profile so similarly i met multiple such women who said that who have amazing skills and they just are you know not being able to have a platform which can give them the exposure to do something with it so even the session that i told you was taken by the students of shillong from uh, a lady in gujarat another lady in mumbai that is an interesting cultural exchange and yeah, yeah. If, when i look at that those videos when the kids are sitting and learning about recycling you know we see a lot of activism or a lot of speeches about the environment but i personally feel that you know once you keep telling that okay this is what you have to do people just retract instead if you make it a fun activity so we taught the kids how to make plastic bo- sorry how to make uh, planters out of plastic bottles so collect okay. all the garbage that's in your area and now create a planter and let's plant Uh, you know little plants there so that became a fun activity and during the session we taught them about the environment about the importance of recycling so once you teach these things in a joyful way children would do it because it's a fun activity and the output of it is actually good for the environment so oh, once i amazing. saw yeah so once i saw that these learning experiences help in a deeper dimension that is amazing and i think the biggest one was january when we we launched uh, because uh, now travel was allowed the lockdown was over so we stopped doing online and we said that okay whoever wants to do online freebirds is available but let's do one offline experiences so i decided to curate one offline experience myself we called it unheard unseen and we called it offbeat travel why because 
in that experience we are not going to take you to assam and show you kamakhya temple if you want to do that there's make my trip go and book it there but if you want to live in a village actually with the community spend time there live like them for example bathe in the river instead of bathing in a bathtub right uh-huh. uh, cooking uh, there with the villagers learning about their cuisine uh, dancing with them foraging with them all these things then come to this particular experience so 12 participants joined us in assam and because mm-hmm. assam was doing covid tests at that time and anybody who was coming in uh, had to get a covid negative report it was pretty safe so we all lived together in a camp the beautiful thing was the last day every single participant cried and they did not want to go back i had never seen a travel experience <laughs> like this you know and they said this was so beautiful we felt like this experience was home because we could never know these things about the culture in fact i'll tell you i am a girl from assam i did not know those things about the culture you know assam okay. has multiple tribal communities so i belong to a different community whereas there there are tribal communities like our home missing now i don't i don't know about the details of how they uh, how they live for example in the ahom community alcohol is a drink of the gods so it's a sacred mm-hmm. drink called haz which they make with rice and uh, it is for the gods so they keep it so beautifully and they actually put 25 types of medicines in that drink and those okay. 25 types of medicines we did some research with some ethnobotany experts who had come there and the participants got to see that critical discourse those things that are put in that drink actually help you uh, go through any issues with the stomach any issues with fever any issues with the skin and it's a very interesting thing what local communities do and the uh, city folks learn from them the village folks learn from them and the other interesting part was not just the participants the people from the village on the last day they were hugging the participants and crying and i asked one of the ladies you know why are you so emotional i mean there must be a lot of travelers who come here she said a lot of tourists come here but i have never met tourists like them like these are travelers you know because they live here like our they have become our daughters and our sisters and our brothers and our sons this is how the camaraderie happened because this was an immersion of a different kind so that's when i realized that yes there are participants who want to do that and it brings a different sense of respect and recognition to the local community because now they are not seen as the people who is you know cooking for you cleaning for you they are now seen as family people who are living with you you want to know about their lives you want to learn about their lives so that's a different dynamic altogether yeah, yeah these great. kind of stories were yeah, it's a, it's a yeah it's a great innovation in uh, with respect to the experience itself in, in travel community nice good so how did you manage and how are you managing the sales and marketing strategies uh, for your business and which formula has worked for you yeah sure so like i said because we are bootstrapped we are not uh, uh, marketing very heavily and in the beginning i kept it that way because if i am looking for early adopters in the uh, in freebirds then i need to look for people who are actually interested in doing something like this because building a community takes time it takes effort so one of the strategies i used was like there are multiple things you can do right you can work on the product completely and you bombard the market with it market it and uh see 
how it goes and convert it. But initially, I was not focusing on sales so much, but I was focusing on the right kind of people on the platform. So if mm-hmm. I'm marketing it, I used word of mouth as a very, very strong tool. And I recommend it to entrepreneurs also. Word of mouth definitely, definitely works. One person tries out your product, make sure they have the best experience. Because once they have the experience, they go back and tell two people, then they, out of those two people, probably one will come. Or out of those 10, maybe two, three will come. Once that comes, then it grows. So once this organic set of people right now, I think we have 2,000 people on the platform uh, from January to now. So, and again, through word of mouth, not through, you know, marketing or ads. Yes, we have done a couple of digital marketing uh, ads. I mean, for an entrepreneur, social media is a boon. I mean, big boon because we can't do mass media. Uh, Mass media is expensive, whereas digital media is much cheaper. You can actually target your audience very easily through digital media or SEO, SEM, all these things definitely work. So we have done a couple for some experiences which we wanted sales in. So I have used digital marketing only for sales, not that much for, you know, brand building. I have only used it for sales because things like unheard, unseen, when we needed to sell tickets, we have actually put in ads. Otherwise, for the platform itself, we have kept it completely organic. Freebirds as a platform is only going through word of mouth. Individual experiences, yes, we have approached it from a sales angle, uh, but very few. We might not have even spent more than $15 throughout the year on marketing of the entire thing. So, And we have made sure that every experience, it is not burning cash for the host and for us. So these things I've worked on. A few things I think in today's day and age uh, that entrepreneurs can know about works is affiliate programs. Uh, mm-hmm. On the online space, people want to support each other. So affiliate programs is something uh, that we launched. And it's still start in the beginning phase. So we haven't had much success with it. But I think it is one of the ways to go. And uh, one of the things I will be working on is an ambassador program or working directly with colleges where we have college ambassadors uh, who benefit out of this program. They can learn leadership skills. They can actually execute in their colleges. And at the same time, uh, it uh, for the free birds, it becomes a marketing platform to the colleges or to the students. So, yeah, this okay. is another uh, marketing program that we will start. That's nice, yeah, because you're involving college students and uh, boosting up their morale as well in terms of work. Very interesting information. Thank you. And moving on to the next segment of our uh, episode, Rapid Fire Questions. Yeah, okay. I've listed a few questions. Let me bring it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's your favorite sports or game you play? Uh, Catan, Settlers of Catan. It's not a sport, it's a board game. <laughs> okay, okay. On what you spend shopping mostly? Ah, shopping. I think I love collecting these uh, collectibles toys. Uh, I'll, For example, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones and Darth okay, Vader from Star Wars. So all these techie little thing, toys and okay. gadgets like VR sets. Nice. What time you hit bed and what time you wake up? How does your first few hours of your morning look like? There is no timing. I have a very bad schedule. There are days I sleep at 11, wake up at 5 and 6. There are days I sleep at 3 and 4 and wake up at 10, 12. 
so it all depends on my day i have no routine i need to bring that discipline in my life actually uh okay. in my morning routine my first thing i like everybody else go up brush and everything but i love my morning cup of tea i have to sit alone in the morning i mean in the morning i don't want to talk to anybody for some time my favorite thing to do is waking up getting there uh, getting to the kitchen making myself a nice warm cup of tea sitting and thinking about you know what i'm going to do in the day what happened yesterday and just being on my own uh, so yeah that is yeah you're, you're a tea person <laughs> yeah <laughs> me too <laughs> and what's your favorite subject in school oh maths okay which book you have read recently or an article uh, and you liked it autobiography of a yogi it's a book i'm yeah. currently reading and i'm loving it oh nice uh, what's the best thing that happened to you this month what's the best thing that happened to me this month ah oh, um, <laughs> why am i lost here oh uh, <laughs> i think i got to see my cats again i was away for a month okay. and i was traveling so when i saw my cats after a long time i hugged them and i was like this is the best thing being at okay. my home with my cats okay uh, what's the best compliment you ever received uh, for your accomplishments so far oh i think the best compliment was in my college actually i was in the fourth year of my college and uh, one african girl was studying there thabisile mm-hmm. she came to me and she says congratulations i said why she said uh, for being you i love you and just <laughs> being acknowledged for being me was something i loved nice so what does creativity means to you in one sentence expression wow that's short and sweet nice so it was wonderful talking to you ritika i thoroughly enjoyed uh, getting all the insights you have gathered um, thank you for coming on and sharing your knowledge in the show thank you very much thank you ashok it's great work that you're doing you're bringing out stories of indian startups and we all entrepreneurs always want to you know learn from each other and this podcast is a great way to do it so thank you thanks a lot thank you so much okay we are at the end of episode number 18 thank you very much ritika for coming on and sharing your experiences and to our listeners you can find out the episode summary in the description until we catch up soon with more exciting stories stay tuned be motivated thank you